What up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Raptors Case Podcast. Uh, the Raptors have their first 3-0 series lead, or 3-0 series lead in franchise history. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable that it's taken this long, considering I feel like despite how bad of a stretch they had, it's it's a it's, they've honestly been a fairly successful franchise for how short they've been around. But uh, either way, talk about the rest of this series and then the playoffs going forward. We got a, a video editor. He's a host of the Yo Sticks podcast, Jordan Hales. What's good, man? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for uh, for taking your time here between games three and four to record this and uh, talk some Raptors ball. How's uh, how's it feel watching a team that you can just be fully confident in? It's such a change of pace from you know, what I and the rest of, like, you know, Raptors fans have had to endure over the past, you know, two decades for as long as, like, you know, as long as the team has been around, but also for as long as people have been fans of the team. Um, And it's just something that's just so surreal, just like you were going through this playoff series and you really don't have any stress. Like, even though game two was kind of ugly, you still had that confidence in you to be like, well, they're still going to pull it out some way. And then in the fourth quarter, what happened? They did. So it's just been really relieving. And you're just like, oh, this is how other teams, you know, feel when they're, they know that they're the more dominant team and they take care of business. So to be on that side of that now, it is very refreshing and I enjoy it. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about with game two. Like the Raptors were trailing the whole game, and any other year, I'd be like, "Yeah, this is over." If anything, they're just gonna blow us up by twenty come the fourth. But I just had that like that confidence that I just knew we were gonna win this. I honestly mm-hmm. probably would have placed a bet that we were gonna win mid game, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, uh, that's always my favorite question to ask like Raptors fans or people who cover the Raptors uh, because. I honestly find even last year, like when we were down, I was still like not near as confident as I am this season, even though we had Kawhi and I know technically, statistically, we're better this year record wise, but like, we're we're not a better team without Kawhi. But do you find that you're honestly still more confident this year than you were last year during the playoff run? Yes, because here's the thing. Last year with uh, Kawhi and Danny, um, the... NBA championship aspirations and all the talk around, you know, the Raptors being contenders, that was really like the first time that it had been seriously entertained. I say seriously with quotation marks because in the Eastern Conference, there is Giannis and then there is uh, Giannis with the Bucks, and then there is also Jimmy Butler and B. Ben Simmons with the Sixers. They were the perennial favorites over the Raptors and people were just kind of like, eh, you know, the Raptors, Kawhi, people didn't know. And that inferiority complex still resided, especially in the first round. Like, we lost game one. We went through a great regular season. Kawhi had a great season. Yes, he he only played 60 games, load management, all of the stuff, but we still did well. But then losing game one, you're just like, seriously, again? (laughs) And then to to give Orlando the gentleman sweep, I was like, all right, this is cool. It really didn't hit... Until the Sixers series, for me, the game that made me the most nervous was game four. Because we're down 2-1, and we need to win that game. Because if we lose game four, we go down 3-1 back home, I don't know if we win the series. 
personally. I don't know if we win the series. So that confidence wasn't there yet because just like to have a guy like Kawhi, a finisher, a closer, somebody who you can you can rely on to get you big bucket big buckets in the clutch, that's something that was not seen for us. And to have that, to have that trust and that uh, reliability with him, it propelled us further. And especially with the shot, it was just like, holy shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And when it came down to the Buck series, losing game one the way that we did, like, you know, we we're playing great. And then the fourth quarter, it was just Kyle Lowry and nobody else. And then game two, we got blown out. When I watched game two, I was just like, okay, I'm not worried. That, that was a weird calm. I was very oddly calm. I'm just like, okay, I'm not really worried about this because I know that we'll figure it out. And then game three was a nail biter, double overtime. Kawhi played 51 minutes. And it's like, all right, you know what? This is something that we can do. And then to win like the next four straight, it's just like, oh, we can actually win the whole thing. You know what I mean? And the difference between going through that uh, playoff run and this year is because they, a lot of the guys that returned, they already went through that gauntlet. We still have Nick Nurse. We still have much of uh, the coaching staff that have returned. So it's just like, okay, who am I to you know, uh, not be confident in the guys that we already have because they've been through that before. And it just ushered in that new wave of confidence that Raptors fans, just like the team, has exuded. And it's just been brilliant. But we don't get this confidence now without last year's, like, still kind of fears lingering over to usher us into this newfound confidence. Right, and it's actually uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned how you were so calm after the Game 2 Milwaukee game, and I was kind of calm, but I feel like just in an opposite sense, because after, after watching that game, my, like my calmness basically just came from, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to lose this. Honestly, Milwaukee's the better team. This is, I guess I'll count this as a success, because this is probably the best season that we've had as a Raptors team. I know that, that mm-hmm. Kyle DeMar team went to the conference finals versus LeBron and it went six games, but that was like as much of a sweep as a six game series is going to be. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was like, we're not winning this. And then game three was probably the most intense game I've ever watched in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, last year's run was insanely fun. And that's honestly, I, I hate when people like so many, I guess it's mainly just Warriors fans, but there's so many people that, put the asterisk beside it because the Warriors were missing so many people and it's like mm-hmm. the Raptors probably went through one of the more tough playoff runs yep. as a whole in like yep. recent history like Orlando was fully healthy for as much as they're not that great of a team but they were healthy Philly was fully healthy Milwaukee was yep. fully healthy and then the only injured yep. team they played was the Warriors and obviously yep. Katie huge loss Clay even just for the game and a half or two games and a half he missed huge yeah. loss but yeah they uh I just I I don't understand. People don't look at the playoff run as a whole. They only look at that final series. And it's so funny, too, because Orlando, when we played them, they were, like, the third hottest team uh, by the time the playoffs started. Like, they had one of the best records after All-Star break, and that's really when it matters because it's just like, okay, the teams that you fear the most are the teams that are hottest going into the playoffs, right? And so we had to go through that gauntlet. Like, listen, Pascal Siakam... He had an MIP year, but he had to go through Jonathan Isaac guarding him. He had to go through Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Crazy. He had to go through Giannis. 
and like you know, uh, uh, and uh, and Lopez. So it's just like, listen, these guys had to like really scratch and claw. We were missing OG Ananobi. That is a big key because we're seeing OG's impact this year with Brooklyn. Guarding Karis LeVert, the way that he's guarding him, and then switching like with Pascal, like we didn't have that luxury last year. We didn't have size to compete with the Sixers last year. You know what I'm saying? It was pretty much Kawhi, um, you know, Pascal and Sprinkles, Serge Ibaka with a massive game seven. You <laughs> Crazy. Know, Marcus Gasol was very, very, very instrumental into containing Embiid the way he did and continues to. And when people really like to take away the fact that, like, you know, um, you know, the Raptors got lucky and stuff like that, I'm just like, I would love to see how many Eastern Conference teams were in the Raptors' position where they had to go through Orlando, Philly, and the Bucks. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like, all right, you can you can have your asterisks all you want. But it's just like, listen, every team gets lucky. You need to have some form of luck in order to win a championship. Because look at this year, okay? We've missed the most man games of any roster in the NBA. We still had a projection of winning 60 games. And... Our starting lineup, by the time the shutdown happened, our starting five had only played together five or six times. Yeah. We are a very deep team, and people do not like giving us credit for that. And that's why I look at this team as being better than last year, because when you have a superstar talent like Kawhi Leonard, absolutely, that's going to propel you over the top. But to get rid of that, to get rid of basically... 27 points a game, okay? To get rid of that. And then the next year to have five players averaging 15 plus, six players averaging 10 plus, that goes to coaching, that goes to chemistry, and that goes to the talent that we have deep because even our bench can produce. It was Kyle Lowry plus our bench that brought us back down 30 against the Mavs. Yeah, and not just the bench, but, like, the third stringer's bench. You know what I mean? So it's just, like, you have to give credit where credit is due, but people don't like to do that because they just see the Raptors as some sort of anomaly or, like, an outlier. It's just like, okay, well, they're not going to do it again. But it's like, if we do do it again, then what? And, I mean, right now it's looking like a real possibility. Like, if you look at how all the top teams are playing. Milwaukee's mm-hmm. looking shaky. The Lakers are looking shaky. The Clippers are definitely looking shaky. Like, outside of Kawhi Leonard, they really don't have a guy really performing. And then, even if you look at Boston, they're playing really well, but they just lost Hayward. Mm-hmm. And Toronto and Houston really might be the two teams that are looking the best right now, other than, obviously, Boston is looking really good, but they are. Mm-hmm. They just, they're going to miss a key player for the next two series. So, it's mm-hmm. looking like a legitimate possibility, and I think it would be literally the most amazing thing in the world to watch the Raptors go up against Kawhi in the finals, and it's kind of looking like it could happen. It, it absolutely could, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at teams like, you know, Miami, who I know that we, like, in the regular season, it's always an idiotic game because it's either, like, you know, a, a, a light show or it's like a defensive nightmare um, and then I'm also looking at Boston as well. Like I'm not, 
I'm not intimidated by any team in the East. That's the craziest thing. Like, whereas people will be like, oh, but Boston and Jason Tatum and all this other stuff. I'm just like, have you guys met Nick Nurse? Do you guys know who he is? This yeah. guy put this guy brought out boxing one in the finals against one of the best three-point shooters of all time. What are we talking about here? I'm not worried about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I understand that, you know, look, my main concern is what's going to happen to the Raptors if the offense falters. Because we have seen, you know, much throughout the season, there have been scoring droughts, a lot of scoring droughts. You know what I'm saying? Basketball, yes, it is a game of runs. But in terms of that consistency of having a guy who can get you consistent buckets, that has not been there. Uh, obviously, a lot of that responsibility has been vaulted into uh, Pascal's lap. But when you have guys like Fred Van Vliet who can like step up and get you big buckets, as has been you know portrayed in this series, and then Kyle Lowry doing what Kyle Lowry does, and then you have guys like you know OGs like you know stepping it up, and then Serge coming off the bench or whatnot. Marcus Saul he definitely has to be a bigger factor as well, but. There's no team that I can look at and just be like, hmm. Especially in the East, like, they can beat us four times. Like, that, I'm worried about that, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of the guys who were on the team last year who had to play Giannis and all this other stuff, I'm just like, they know what to do. And they're always going to figure things out. And Nick Nurse schemes like no one else in the NBA. So I'm really not all that worried about getting back to the finals, you know what I mean? If you look at that Orlando-Milwaukee series right now, Orlando's employing a lot of the same defensive you know, schemes or, or strategies that Nick Nurse put out in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Every time Giannis drives, there's three guys there. The, the, the help guys on the wings are like nearly touching the elbows. like They're closer to the elbows than they are to their men. And mm-hmm. it, Giannis is just that good of a player that you're either going to give him a dunk or you're going to give three open threes to his teammates because he just you're it's going to take three guys to stop yeah. him and yeah just a little tangent here i hate when people say Giannis's uh his uh is like on like it, the restrictions to his game is that's what's causing milwaukee to lose like it's not at all obviously mm-hmm. having a three-point shot would benefit him huge but it still takes two help men to stop him sometimes three like you're honestly not even going to get away with just two guys on him stopping him so yeah. it, it's up to the it's up to his teammates to to win and he just doesn't have those guys in the playoffs and they're going to miss Malcolm Brogdon a ton because yep. to me Malcolm Brogdon on that team last year was the only guy outside of Giannis who can who could create his own shot who could craft his yep. way to the hole and kick out yep i i looked at the stats for another pod i did a couple days ago Middleton on isolation this year, I think he's shooting like 40% from the field and averaging like two points per 10 possessions. And then as a pick and roll ball handler, he's shooting like 46% from the field and averaging four point something points per 10 possessions. So mm-hmm. Middleton, I don't want to discredit what he did this year because he was amazing and he was 50, 40, 90. Great, great season, solid defender, but you're just not worried about him taking you off the dribble. And when you have guys like Pascal and guys like OG and even guys like Kyle and Fred who can close out so fast to, mm-hmm. after helping. Like, I, What can you do? Right. I, I just, what can you honestly do? And like, I'm not saying that the Raptors are for sure going back to the finals, but as you mentioned, there isn't a team I look at in the East and I'm like, Oh, they're, they're definitely beating us. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you're tasked with having to go up against 
first of all, you have to face the backcourt. You have Fred and you have Kyle, and they're both pesky on defense. You know what I'm saying? Because they pride them. Fred prides himself on being a defender first before his offensive game, and that's scary. That should scare a lot of people because it's like here's this guy launching from anywhere because this guy has seriously been on one since the birth of Fred Jr. And it's just like, okay, you have a guy who can do this on the offensive end, but he prides himself on getting after you defensively. There's a reason why he has uh, the most deflections in the league. There's a reason why he's up in the rankings for its uh, most steals in the league. And then when you get past the backcourt, you have to face a Gasol, an OG, a Pascal. Lengthy, active, and the commitment to defense from 1 to 15 on this team, it's something that not a lot of teams try to replicate, but they cannot do it. And our bench is so solid. It's just like, okay, you're going to have to play your starters extended minutes because if you take your star players out the bench, like what Boston is going to have to do you're going to have to if you if you want to you can play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together right but then you're going to be swarming you're going to have to stagger that out if you're going to want to have consistent shooting but then the problem is like we can get on runs we can get after your guys who's going to be your third guy and that's w- w- why you know missing Hayward is like a big thing Kemba Walker Kemba Walker offensively, like, you know, he can do what he does. But at the same time, the guard play of, you know, our guys on the defensive end, they can neutralize Kemba. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nick can throw different schemes at them. There's a reason why he didn't show his hand in the bubble game. And that's why I'm just like, okay, yeah, we got beat bad whatever. But I'm just like, he's not showing them anything. Just like he didn't show Milwaukee anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we we just had, like, you know, a very solid game from our bench. And because we have guys like a Chris Boucher, a Matt Thomas, a Terrence Davis, Rondé Hollis Jefferson can uh, can get after it on the boards and, and stuff like that. It's just like, look, there are, it's just going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult for any team to beat us four times. The rest of the team has acknowledged that, and that's been a consistent thing from day one. And the laser focus that they've instilled from last October to right now is it's been like, look, we expect to win. It's on the bracelet. It's on Nick Nurse's merch. Expect to win. And that is a mindset that uh, travels uh, consistently in the team. And it's just going to be it's just it's just going to be a headache for a lot of teams and coaches. The, the Boston series is going to be fun. It's going to be tough. The uh, two really talented teams, uh, two very strong coaches. And if Nick Nurse does manage to get this team back to the finals, I'm just waiting for Nick Nurse's respect tweet of who would you who would you rather pick in like a, a coaches and players fantasy draft, Nick Nurse or any player you want? Get that same love, <laughs> Brad Stevens. That's still the most ridiculous yeah. thing to me. Like I understand Brad Stevens is a great coach, and during that moment he seemed like he was just the newest, most innovative coach, but you yeah. still can't tell me that anyone would take him over like if you had the choice of taking like LeBron or Steph or someone like or KD. Like that was the most uh that was the most outlandish thing ever. But yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not taking Brad Stevens over Nick Nurse. There's that. Oh no. No, Nick Nick is definitely the best coach in the NBA right now. Uh he, he'll probably win coach of the year this year. He didn't get the coach's respect vote for it, but the coaches always seem to 
kind of be petty with it and not actually give it to mm-hmm. the, the guy who ends up winning it. So mm-hmm. he'll, he'll win it when it matters. Uh, I, I want to touch on something that quickly that actually I didn't put in the doc, and that was the uh, the footage that came out of the Maasai incident recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, for those of you, a quick recap. I'm sure everyone knows what happened, but after the Raptors won game six, Masai went to go walk onto the court and got in an altercation with a, a cop or a security guard. And they uh, essentially there was shoving and then Kyle Lowry went and snagged Masai and brought him onto the court. And everything that came out afterwards was the cop filed a lawsuit against Masai and said Masai didn't have his credentials. And he said Masai shoved him so hard that he broke his ribs. And now I'm, I'm just like, I'm so happy and I really just like really want to shove it in that cop's face how the footage came out of Masai literally walking towards him pulling his credentials out of his jacket and then the cop just shoves him and then you hear in the video Masai say I'm the president of the Raptors and then he shoves him again and like I just what were what is your what was your like initial reaction watching that body cam footage that finally came out that quote unquote mysteriously disappeared when this whole thing was going down um, well, I actually touched on it, uh, in, uh, in an op-ed that I wrote for the Toronto Star, uh, recently, um, yesterday at the time of this recording, it was the uh, day before. And, um, look, I always knew that there was something fishy about it. Right. I always knew that, you know, the cop was like, you know, wasn't telling the truth at all. Like, what do you mean that you suffered neck injuries from being pushed and shoved and all other stuff? I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing that came out made any sense. So I was always on Masai's side and it's just like a shame how he was perceived and he was robbed of his moment. And to be assaulted by somebody who's supposed to be... Um, you know, protecting and serving the people. And instead of, you know, just asking him for his credential, whatever, even though he was already on his way to show it, it just shows that it, it, it's an it's an ongoing fight that a lot of people are just, like, you know, just now waking up to. And the fact that the proof had to be there on video in order for people to be like, see, uh, like, you know, Messiah was telling the truth and all this other stuff. It's just like, a year later and all this, you know what I mean? And uh, I just I just hope that it triggers or it triggered something in the team to be like, you know what? We want to go and win this for Masai because we want him to have his moment properly the way it should have been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, uh, as you mentioned, it was always kind of suspicious and I, I was always just 100% on Masai's side because as soon as that kind of quote came out of, how he said Masai shoved him so hard he broke his ribs. I'm like, there would have been a way bigger scene if Masai punched a guy or shoved a guy that hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and then you saw Leo on TNT, based, or sorry, on TSN say how he walked on to the court, no problem, no yep. one questioned him. And he's, yep. he's not even technically a part of the team. And I don't mean that to discredit yeah, exactly. Leo, but he's, he's, he, he's not a part of the organization. He's not. He covers yeah, them. Yeah, he's not. So... Mm-hmm. I think, like, I, as someone, and obviously, like, I'm not, I, I do need to say this carefully because I am white, but I don't like to jump to the race card right away. But, I mean, when, when you have all that evidence and everything going on and then Leo just being able to walk right past him, too, it just, you can't help but really just notice that that's really what was going on in the scenario. And even just the fact that 
I understand that the majority of general managers, you wouldn't recognize them by face, but Masai Ujiri is one of the general managers that you really should if you know anything about basketball. And it's crazy because he's not even the GM. He's right. the president of the team. So that should even be more like more obvious because he's the only African uh, president in all of North American sports. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, how do you... It just, like, you know, what goes on in the brain in order to, you know, assault somebody yeah. of that nature when they're trying to celebrate something and you rob them of that just because of your own fears and your own suspicions and you're not able to, like, you know, kind of stand back and be like, wait, let me just assess this so that I'm not making a mistake. Mm-hmm. The fact that that's not a first thought, it's just, it's frustrating because, you know, that speaks on... Uh, it, and it speaks to, you know, the experiences that black people have to go through every day. And it's exhausting, but I'm glad that Messiah is countersuing. And I hope that he gets everything that he deserves because that wasn't right. And I just am looking forward to the team doing their best to rectify the situation and get, you know, that uh, that redemption for Messiah. And not only, like, did he, he got assaulted... He basically, I mean, the cop lied and then everyone, and it seemed like anyone of any sort of stature within that situation believed the cop and wasn't on Masai's side. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you mentioned how it just ruined probably one of the most exciting moments in Masai's career. A guy who mm-hmm. has been a GM or a president or just within a team organization in the NBA for so long from Denver to Toronto and finally breaks mm-hmm. through and wins that championship. And he's walking on the court to go celebrate doing nothing wrong. And then like that all happens. And the, obviously he ended up getting on the court, but you like once something like that happens, your mind's not fully into it. And you're uh, like, you're distracting, you're caught off guard and you're hurt. And I just, yeah, it, it sucks that that moment was ruined for him because that's something, obviously, you have the parade and then you have everything else, but that's something, that initial moment is something you can't get back. And even if the Raptors win it again and he's able to go on the court with no problems, you still can't get that first time back. Exactly, exactly. So it's just like, you know, un- until... <laughs> he, The moment really won't uh, come to pass again of... Uh, like that experience until like you know all fans are allowed back to like you know watch mm-hmm. live sporting events and then the Raptors win it again. But who knows how long that is? Or maybe if he's even with the Raptors, you know, knock on wood. But you know, things happen. Life happens, and so the most that you know the team could do is just try to win out and give him like at least that sense of um, joy that he missed out on the first time around. Yeah. So yeah, we 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 uh we 100% stand with Masai and 100% stand with this this fight against you know uh, social justice and racial justice. So um, it's it's really good. And I know that was kind of the big worry heading into this was will this take away from the conversation? I think the players and the coaches and the media in general have done a really good job of making sure it stays in the conversation. And I just yeah, it, it it's going really well and. The bubble as a whole, really, I guess, just to kind of transition back to basketball, I still get amazed how like, like they pulled this off and this all happened, and you you just consistently get uh, those tweets from Shams about zero positive tests and zero positive tests, and yep. there was worries about, will the games be intense? What will it be like watching on TV? Mm-hmm. Like, What's this mm-hmm. fake crowd noise all about? And I get amazed every time just knowing that 
the NBA and everyone pulled all this off. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I was definitely, I was definitely skeptical of it. I was just like, you know what, I don't know about it. And as much as I want sports to be back, I want the players to be safe. And I, I am thoroughly impressed with what the NBA has been able to do. And at the same time, the level of play, because it really is an even playing field. You can't rely on, you know, travel and um, and the opponent's um, crowd and stuff like that. So it's just like, wow, there's no home court advantage at all. So I feel like there are a lot of teams who otherwise would have been more intimidated, especially in the playoffs, Um because, you know, you have a travel scenario and the fact that, you know, everything is just in the same spot. You're playing every other day at this designated time and it's produced great basketball. You know what I'm saying? And who who thought that the Phoenix Suns would go undefeated in bubble play? You know what I'm saying? Nobody had the Orlando Magic or the Portland Trailblazers getting wins in game one against yeah. one seeds. You know what I mean? The play-in game for the Western Conference Finals, like, that was amazing. That Super race fun. to the eighth seed and then having that play-in game, I feel like if you had a play-in game in the regular season when everything gets to a new normal, um, I think that would be dope. But at the same time, how can you do that? You know what I'm saying? If you're going to do it on neutral side, are you going to do it on – Either teams like you know home site whatever is it going to be a home and home if they split the two if they split the first game whatever it is but it's uh it's 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 been really interesting and fascinating to see and, and not having the crowd there has definitely been a uh, a different feel but the games have been entertaining you're more locked into the gameplay itself and I think that uh, basketball fans have really appreciated the efforts that the NBA went through to ensure that this was safe and it was still entertaining and it was still um, being mindful of the players of their safety. For sure. And one guy who definitely hasn't been affected by any sort of the changes is Fred Van Vliet. And we talked about how, you know, we don't have that one star that's just going to, we know can turn to every game and take over the game. The Raptors basically have seven guys or eight, <laughs> yeah. and one of them is going to step up and do it. And really through these first three games, I mean, game three, Pascal is probably the best player, but overall through the first three, Fred's been the best player on the Raptors. Yep. And yep. I guess just a couple stats. He has a net rating of 14.8 in these playoffs, which is absolutely insane. And then um, just some, he's shooting 68.1% effective field goal percentage and 55% from three. And then uh, per cleaning the glass, he's shooting 62% at the rim, which is not something we would have ever thought we could have said about Fred because that was one of always the biggest gripes in his game. It was that when he has the ball, he dribbles the air out of it, and he's just too small and doesn't know how to use his body to kind of shield off defenders when he gets to the rim. And mm-hmm. These playoffs have been a completely different story. Like 62% at the rim is really good for a guard who's definitely under six feet. Um, I saw a lot of the improvements in the regular season, mm-hmm. especially the first game against New Orleans. I was like, oh, okay, so he's shooting well, he's attacking bigs, he's going at their bodies, and he's finishing strong at the rim. And that was something that was very consistent. He's more calculated, and his thought process seemed like everything was slowing down for him, much like, you know, Pascal in his MIP year. And, you know where they knew that they would be getting more touches because Kawhi was gone. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, 
to mentally and physically prepare themselves in order to take on um, more of the daunting task of the responsibility of ball handling and facilitation is like, all right, they really worked in the off season and Fred has come back and has really solidified himself as someone who's a, a future all-star in this league. And, you know, for a lot of people who may not remember that he did get a finals MVP vote last year Crazy. and he's truly playing like it. He's truly playing like he wants another title and, you know, the attitude that he carries is reflected amongst the entire team. So it's not a surprise that he's doing so well because it's like they expect this. They expect it to get better and they expect to win every single time they step on the floor. And they're not going to let challenges and adversity and obstacles kind of get in the way of what they have to do. You saw it really in the Sixer series. You saw it in the uh, the Milwaukee series. And it's just like that calm and that, um, that mindset to stay in the moment. And that's something that, you know, Kawhi really taught the team. And you're seeing it regurgitated throughout game after game. And, you know, they're just focused on one game at a time. And they are they don't get too high or too low. They're just there. And Fred embodies that. And that's the reason why he's going to be a very rich man when his contract is up. Because he's playing like he knows that he's worth every penny that any team will throw at him. Oh, man. It actually, like, it kind of scares me. And... Like, obviously, I want Fred to play well, and I want him to get all the money that he can. You know, an undrafted guy signing near a max contract is just an amazing story. And obviously, the better he plays, the better the Raptors do. But like a little, little part of me is like, oh, he's playing this well. Like he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna require so much more pay than you know than we were expecting before this season. And obviously, just more cap room eaten up. But I mean, that's obviously just way you know external worries and i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he'll come back to toronto uh he's said how he's loyal and he wants to stay with the franchise and they gave him his chance so he wants to stay and i know out of the three free agents this year even though all three of them are big parts of the team fred's definitely the the first uh the first priority and the top priority so and he's i mean he's proven it these playoffs he's extended out his range which has helped a ton and that was really the biggest problem he had versus philly because they were so big that they were able to close out to him Mm-hmm. so so quick because he's obviously shorter and you know lacks the athleticism i guess and with the extension of the range and he also can make contested shots a lot better like we, we saw one he literally just sized up jared allen and pulled it right over top of his fingers and splashed it for the first shot of game three so fred uh fred's definitely i mean been the best player for the raptors probably in this whole bubble not even just the playoffs um and another guy, I guess, who is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, Marcus Saul. I, I know Mark's game isn't centered around scoring ever since he came to Toronto, but I feel like it, like these playoffs and and kind of in the bubble, it's really taken a bigger hit, and it hasn't affected the Raptors because this playoff series, the Raptors should be able to win without him, you know, scoring a ton. I mean, he had thirteen zero and three, but. Do you think, on top of everything else Mark does, do you think that the Raptors will need more scoring against Mark to beat those better teams like Boston, Milwaukee, and then potentially if they make the finals, whoever comes out of the West? 
he's definitely gonna have to make his presence known more offensively mm-hmm. um whether that means more of a reliance of him scoring or him being more of a facilitator of like you know getting passes creating plays setting screens all the things that he does well that doesn't essentially just show up on on the on the stat sheet um that's where he's going to be very effective because look, everyone's gonna clue in on Pascal. Boston's not a dumb team, nor is Milwaukee. And when they clue in on Pascal, when they clue in on Fred, like yeah, he's gonna have to step up and score. Also, Ibaka. Ibaka is gonna be a big factor because here's the thing: when it comes to Boston, they don't necessarily have the bigs that can run with our bigs. Not at you know all. What I'm saying I'm 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 not scared of Tice and Cantor. Like I'm not scared of those guys. It's their guard play. It's Tatum. Like, those are the guys who are going to have to, like, kind of neutralize, right? Like, Marcus Smart. Like, you know, he he's, like, their hustle guy. Like, he's their, you know, their Dollarama version of Kyle Lowry. As, as good as he is, but he's not Kyle Lowry. And, you know, they have Tatum. They have Jalen Brown. They have Kemba Walker. But outside of that, they're bigs. Their bigs can't – they can't run with us, and that's not going to be uh, a big factor, and that's why you see that, you know, Boston is having their way with Philadelphia right now because there's no one on Philly that can neutralize Boston. But we have the pieces that can neutralize Boston in a way we can contain a Jason Tatum. We can contain Jalen Brown. We can contain uh, Kemba Walker. You know what I'm saying? But their bigs are not going to hurt us. So if anything, there's an advantage for Mark to really take over and have big games if he really wants to because he can crash the glass. Ibaka can do the same, and because we have big, lengthy guys like Siakam and OG, like there is a real opportunity there to really bully them, uh, and and Mark can definitely find his opportunities to score more. Whereas, like you know, he hadn't really found them now, but he kind of had the same issue in last year's playoffs. But where he was very vital was on the defensive end, neutralizing the big guys. You know, saying we we needed him to contain and beat. We needed him to help guard Giannis along with Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? And he was definitely effective in the Golden State series, just because, like, look, like, who was really effective on trying to contain Mark? Although Ibaka got more run in the finals. You know what I mean? And they Golden State couldn't handle a, an athletic big because their own athletic big was. Draymond, and then you had DeMarcus Cousins, but DeMarcus Cousins is basically a pylon on defense. So when it comes to how Marcus Gasol can be more reliable against these teams, like those opportunities will be there because, you know, the opportunities will line themselves up and this will be an easier challenge in comparison to last year. And because last year having to go up against uh, ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick and Tyler Ennis the third gave us issues. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot, <laughs> a lot of issues. So it's just like we're prepared for anything that any team can throw at us. And I know Milwaukee is pretty much shook to have to see us again. So I'm almost silently rooting to see Miami, but at the same time, like you know, not really. But I think when it comes to Boston. Our big, specifically Marcus All, can 
certainly find opportunities to feast in ways that he didn't get the opportunity to do so last year. And I think that confidence will only grow. And I expect the same uh, of Pascal as well, because he's starting to get into his groove, starting to get his confidence, get his legs up on the rim. And that conditioning is starting to really set in. And Mark's obviously a fantastic defender and helps us immensely on that end. And facilitating-wise and passing-wise, Nurse said he wants him to you know, control the possession more at the top of the key. And as you mentioned, next series, because it like both Toronto-Boston are 3-0, so we can pretty much just assume that it's going to be Toronto-Boston. That series, really, I think he could see a scoring increase because, as you mentioned, Tice just can't guard him. We saw... In the bubble game, if there's one positive we could have taken away from it, it's that Mark can post up Tice for as as much as he isn't really much of a post up player anymore, and he doesn't really go to that. He could still take it on Tice every time. I think he was like three for three on post ups on Daniel Tice. So, and when I say like scoring increase, I think people sometimes assume that I'm talking about like yeah, let's see twenty points out of Mark. I, I honestly just like 10 points a game, I think, is is all Mark needs to put up. It, it's just, mm-hmm. it's hard because game two, he put up zero. Game three, he put up three. And I don't think against those good teams who are able to more neutralize Pascal and Kyle and Fred, I don't think he can put up like zero and three and, and Toronto expect right. to score enough because, right. I mean, I, I, we've mentioned it before. We don't have a Kawhi who, even against a good team, he's going to give us 25 to 30 every night. And we just know that. And so... Pascal and Fred and Kyle and Norm and all those guys, at least one of them, maybe two, maybe all of them will still play well, but they'll be more neutralized than they were in this Brooklyn series. And I just think Mark probably needs to put up at least 10 to 13 a game in order for us to really score with teams like Milwaukee and teams like Mm -hmm. Boston because those teams can score too. Listen, Nikola Vucevic is dropping huge numbers against Milwaukee. And Mark basically shut him out last year. And it's just like, listen, if Milwaukee is having a hard time dealing with Vucevic and they have all the bigs that they have, that you're looking at Gasol and you're looking at Ibaka like, oh, we can eat. We yeah. can really eat. So it's definitely going to be a big adjustment for him. But at the same time, I think that they're ready for the challenge because there's nothing that's been thrown at them that they haven't seen before. And the best defense, really, the best defense is Toronto Raptors. So these guys are practicing against the best defense every single day. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. It's just a matter of like what we can get done on the offensive end. And yeah, if Mark gets 10 plus a game, then if Mark gets 10 plus... Pascal can get, you know, 15, 20. <laughs> Fred gets his 20. Kyle can get 15. Like, that's a that's a light that's a light series. And that's always been Budenholzer's biggest gripe on him as a coach is that he can put in place great systems that fit his team well, but his lack of ability or just willingness to adjust come playoff time or just he, mm-hmm. he adjusts way too late. It, it's it's consistent when he was with when he was with Atlanta last year with Milwaukee and mm-hmm. they just they run that drop scheme on the pick and roll where Brooke Lopez literally just drops towards the net like yep. it's something like we've never really seen before I guess maybe not never yep. but just rarely and against yep. a guy like Vucevic you can't just drop on him because he can pick and pop on you and I guess game three will be today and I'm interested to see if maybe they put Giannis on Vucevic or maybe he just 
has Brooke Lopez play up more in the screen game and then really just even one-on-one Brooke Lopez hasn't been able to handle Vucevic so I want that's why I wonder if they put Giannis on him too but mm-hmm. yeah I mean when you look at a Milwaukee Toronto series as much as Milwaukee probably does have the talent advantage and the team advantage I mean they're looking shaky now but I probably still would give them that the coaching advantage plays a huge role in the playoffs and yep. Nick Nurse is levels and levels above Bud when it comes to coaching within a playoff series and making adjustments yep and that is really the biggest advantage that we have against Milwaukee because our scheme, uh, you know, we, we set the blueprint on how to stop Giannis. Like, yesterday yeah. they were still able to win as many games that they did in the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs, it's a different game. You know what I mean? And that's when really you're going to see all the schemes and all the different um, uh, strategies that were game planned and prepared for across the season. And when that comes out, like, you see what happens. You see what happened when uh, Nick Nurse made the decision just like, all right, you're going to go and you're going to guard Giannis. That's the same thing that Steve Kerr did to with Andre Iguodala in 2015 finals against LeBron James. And that's how they won the championship. Because when you basically put the sole focus on Giannis and then you have to rely on everybody else to shoot, who are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on... DiVincenzo, you're going to rely on Middleton, you're going to rely on Bledsoe, you're going to rely on the the Lopez brothers. Like, yeah, they can get hot from three. Like, you know, they're going to have one of those games. That's what happened in game two. Like, they just shot everything uh, last year. Like, they they shot everything and, you know, that's, that's just what it is. So when they can get a barrage like that, then it's hard to beat them. But at the same time, nobody guards the three-point line better than the Toronto Raptors. We allow the most shots, but everything is contested. You rarely see open threes. And that was always the biggest gripe about the Toronto Raptors, always leaving shooters open all the time. Like, even last year, just like you're always leaving shooters open. But the commitment to defense, the commitment to running guys off the three-point line, forcing them to take mid-range. And what, we're going to trust Giannis to take mid-range shots? You're going to trust Lopez to take mid-range shots? The only guys who really want to take mid-range shots are George Hill, and who's Chris shooting Middleton. insane this season you know what i mean so it's just like all right if you again it's neutralizing and relying on other guys to win the games for you and i'm telling you man it's gonna be a tough out but that's where our advantage comes in and it's just like the fact that we're all locked in defensively and when it comes to our offensive game and getting guys to their spots guys are going to take advantage of mismatches and they adjust on the fly better than a lot of other teams. So it's just like, hey, man, Bud, Bud is going to have to be more unconventional if he really wants to beat us. Yeah, and I mean, we'll have to see if he if he can because he's never shown it before. Uh, and you mentioned the three-point shooting of how Toronto uh, limits opponents to the worst three-point percentage. And I'm just going to take the opportunity to plug the Playgrounder, which is my other uh, company over there that I write and, and I pod for. And we released... A graphic it was a few weeks ago uh, during the the seeding games and Raptors fans just had a ball with it of how it was a comparison of the most three point most opponent three point shots attempted and then the field goal percentage and Toronto was way over on the most attempted mm-hmm. but then way down on the way opponent down three point yep, percentage which it's uh it's 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 insane and it really has to do with I, like nurse for sure and, and his kind of rotation s- system but, I mean, the players we have, how fast they can close out. A lot of them are long enough to close out. And 
I mean, a lot of them are are solid enough defenders that they know how to close out and still funnel towards the baseline that they mm-hmm. can take away shots, and if guys want to drive on them, they're driving right into another defender. So this team is insanely fun to watch defensively, and I actually have a piece coming out sometime next week probably of Fred Van Vliet's off-ball defense because I, I think he's the best off-ball defender I've ever watched, and I said this on the reaction pod yesterday. So it uh, it's it's they're really fun to watch. Um, I guess we kind of all assume Milwaukee's going to get past Orlando as shaky as they look. I probably am still picking them against Miami. I mean, I would, I think it'll be a lot closer now, but let's just assume that Toronto gets past Boston and it is Milwaukee in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Are you more confident this year heading into a Milwaukee series than you were last year, despite not having Kawhi? Yes. Reason being is because of last year, right? Because they've seen us before. And I feel like it's going to be much of the same that Milwaukee is going to try to throw out into our faces. But then we have more pieces that they necessarily haven't seen. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Nurse plays Chris Boucher more, if he runs Matt Thomas more. Because the way that they were guarding Matt Thomas in the, in the, in the bubble game... It's like, okay, well, I can just use this guy as a decoy. They and started then, guarding him it, like Steph off ball. It was like, actually Bledsoe was face like, guarding okay. him. Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, you did your research, but then we're going to have to make you pay for that. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, you can put out as many tall trees as you want to, both Lopez brothers and Giannis, whatever, but I'm just like, okay, well, are you going to contain our guards? You know what I'm saying? Like, And the fact that, yes, we lost Kawhi, but we gained OG – defensively, like, that's another body to throw at Giannis because OG is very strong, and he has the discipline and the fortitude in order to stand in front of Giannis and really get him agitated and irritated, and then we have to rely on others uh, uh, to, you know, score. But in terms of switching throughout, like, watching how we switch, watching how... We can go through so many different schemes, playing zone, playing man, playing triangle and two, playing box and one. Like, there's so many effective ways that we can disrupt the flow of an offense. And that's really going to bother Milwaukee a lot. And what gives me the confidence is that, okay, we had to go through a gauntlet last year. And the reason why... I have so much confidence because you have to go up against one of the greatest teams of all time. Yes, mm-hmm. they miss Kevin Durant, but they're still one of the greatest assembled teams yeah. of all time. You cannot fake that from going to the finals five straight years. Probably our you know the greatest team of all time. Okay, man. For, for, in, in, in that period, they're definitely up there with the 90s Bulls. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And... You have to tip your hat to the intensity that Nick Nurse has carried over through that just to never be satisfied, to always keep on challenging these guys to be like, no, you have to stay on your A game because every game is different. There's always going to be a new scenario. And the leadership on the team, yes, Kyle is the focal leader, but the leadership still is entrenched in the DNA of the team, regardless of who is on the floor. They're always talking. They're they're always committed to, you know, making the right plays for each other. Yeah, they can get sloppy and whatnot from time to time. But the intensity of effort is always there. 
And that's what gives me confidence seeing an opponent again. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, like the, the Bulls and the Pacers in the 90s or the Bulls and the Knicks in the 90s. It's like, yeah, you can know these teams. Milwaukee knows who we are. You know what I'm saying? Like, we played Milwaukee twice in the playoffs before we beat them both times. Obviously in different scenarios, but they know who we are and we know who and we know who they are. So we know their tendencies, we know their weaknesses, and we know that their focal point is going to be get Giannis the ball, let him try to do what he does, and if that doesn't work, rely on others. It is a simple game plan. We just have to neutralize it and then execute. But I'm not worried about, you know, um, playing Milwaukee because last year, win t- the only 16-win team in the NBA had the MVP, had the coach of the year. It did not matter. They went up 2-0, did not matter. You know what I mean? So it's just like, look, it's it's. I'm 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 not worried about other teams. Other teams should be worried about the Raptors. First yeah. off, they're the defending champions, so you should be worried about the champions coming at your door again if you have to face them. So that's why that gives me more confidence because it's just like, wait a second, we're not chasing after you. You're chasing after us. So you have to game plan and scheme for everything that we're about to throw at you. But I don't even think that you'd be prepared for it. Mm. Hey, Matt, this team's exciting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can be the first team to go to back-to-back finals after losing their finals MVP. And uh, it would be something else if they were able to win the finals and then Fred won finals MVP and then left off that'd to Detroit nice. in the offseason. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't <laughs> no, do that. I doubt it's going to happen, but that'd be kind of funny. That's, not, that's, not old, that's an old Raptors mentality. <laughs> no, it's just losing, losing yes. two finals MVPs in a row. Could you imagine? Uh, you know what? Being Toronto, I, I can't imagine that. And then we'll just right. Go- Whatever. No, I, I don't think that'll happen. Um, As far as Fred leaving, it, it sounds like that both teams have uh, or both sides have interest in making a contract work. Um, I guess I'll just end off on one more question. Will the Raptors complete the first sweep in franchise history tomorrow? Yes. I like it. I think it's going to be a closer game, but then I think we'll just break away. Yeah. I think it'll kind of be like game two, but if... If there's any indication, it'll probably be like game five against Orlando last year, where it's just like, okay, we went on like an 8-1 run, and it's like, okay, that, that's it. It's done. Like one Kyle Lowry three, much like in game three, where it started with uh, Fred, bomb three, and then Kyle, yeah. bomb three, and it's just like, oh. I said from from when, when, when Fred hit that shot, I was just like, yeah, this game's done. That's how they're, that's how they're starting off this game's over. Yeah, this... Uh... I give a lot of credit to this Brooklyn team. They're literally missing mm. like eight rotation players, which is unheard yeah, of. And then, sure. I mean, even losing Joe Harris before last game and he won't be there tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, they've been competing well throughout this whole bubble without a lot of their roster. And they've been complete competing pretty well in this playoff series. Uh, hey, uh, Jordan, this was a lot of fun. Do you have anything you want to shout out before we, uh, we get out of here? Uh, let's encourage everybody to support black businesses the the way that they support everything else make it something that is second nature in your life um you know for, continue to educate yourself on how to be anti-racist and so we can all live in an anti-racist society uh check out my podcast yo six podcast on all platforms apple spotify soundcloud google podcast as well and uh yeah like thank you for having me i appreciate you um, you know, giving me the time and space to talk about Raptor stuff right? and other things um, that are important. So, yeah, thank you.
facts. I second uh, I second everything he said there. And you can find me on Twitter at Zach Wilson fifty. You can find the show at Raptors Cage on Twitter, and then go to RaptorsCage.ca. Got some articles coming out. Uh, I'm sure there's some stuff out there on this playoff series, and then going forward. And then go to the Playgrounder podcast, my other NBA pod. We just dropped an episode yesterday uh, doing a little draft lottery talk with uh, Derek Murray from Babcock Hoops and then talking to Dante Turo about the Celtics. So that's a good episode. And, yeah, let's, uh, let's go out. Let's hope the Raptors sweep tomorrow. And, Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, we peace of souls do sedate ourselves. Just in the bars, pain we feel. Yes, sometimes we do hate ourselves. But each day we try to retake ourselves so yes we peace of souls do sedate ourselves just in the mars pain we feel yes sometimes we do hate ourselves but each day we try to embrace ourselves